The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. All right, let's give this a go. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and I think this week, the state of the world. Welcome to 2021. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we take a look at some of the more recent news, and Al Kaiser here has some headphones that he'd like to tell you about. But first, let's talk movies. Yeah, let's talk You movies. had mentioned that you had seen a particular Warner Brothers movie there a few Wonder times. Woman. Wonder Woman 84. And I was disappointed they didn't play Blue Monday in the movie at all. I'm not surprised. Usually they do that in the trailers. They played Frankie Goes to Hollywood because the the mix of Blue uh, Blue Monday that they used was actually from 1988. But, uh, you know, I digress. That would be historically accurate. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And and then no no Van Halen either. No, no Van Halen. Although, didn't that that come out in 85 or 85? I, I, you know, it's it's all a blur. It's all, I mean, please, the 80s were a blur for a lot of reasons. Yeah, so uh, let's let's, not, let's just skip over this part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's cut the. Because I think 1984 <laughs> was in 1989. Anyway, um, but yeah, well, I didn't think that they really leveraged all of the juicy things you could get out of the 1980s. Oh, I agree. In the movie, like the way the Stranger Things does, where you see all of these perfect little pinpoints of nostalgia. Like one yeah. of them was like, oh yeah, it's just a, a chance for us to make a joke about fanny packs and parachute pants and exactly. shoulder pads, and you didn't really get the political and cultural dynamic of the time woven into the story, if I may be so bold. Then again, it, the story or stories seem to be a little convoluted from my viewership. Oh, come on, let's just say it. Let's just say it. Compared to the first Wonder Woman movie, this was really bad. I mean, I'm being unfair. It wasn't terrible. It was too much. They it was did disappointing. Ex- it could it have was been- disappointing, yeah. They, f- they fell into that trap that almost every superhero sequel falls into that they think more is more. You know what I mean? All right. We had one hero or one villain, one big bad. Let's have two. That's always better. Two bad guys. And you know what? Let's make it big, bigger explosions, bigger this, bigger that. You know, let's bring back somebody from the dead, completely not explaining why this guy can fly an airplane. You know what I mean? It was 1918 when the first movie, and this guy's flying a jet? Yeah, but planes have changed a, a little bit, I would think. And I'm not a pilot, but I imagine the, the controls and the mechanics in the cockpit have, have changed. Kristen Wiig was really one-dimensional. Pedro Pascal hammed it up way too much. It was just way too much. Yeah, and one of the best reviews of the film I saw... Someone pointed out that Wonder Woman 1984 forgot to actually be about Wonder Woman. Yeah. But then again, that's exactly the point I'm making, that every sequel falls into this trap. Yeah, too much. I mean, Batman, remember you remember the Batman movies? Mm-hmm. It was never about Michael Keaton past the first movie. Yeah, it was always about the villains and it who was, was going to play them. The villains. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I will give the Wonder Woman, though. The first 15 minutes were great. Oh, and yeah. And no after question. that, you know, the off the cliff. I was like really pumped after the first 15 minutes. And then the wheels came off. But, but, Gal Gadot was fantastic. Oh, yeah. The, the, the woman can hold a frame in your attention in the film like nobody's business. And Absolutely. And she, and you know and she did she did with what she could she did and Chris Pine was pretty good too 
Granted, it was a thankless-type role. It made no sense whatsoever. But he was funny, and he did exactly what he needed to be. He was the helpless female character. You know what I mean? Traditionally, that role was, oh, you know, big, strong man saving the world. And, I mean, I love the fact that the Wonder Woman franchise flips that on its head. It's great. The bottom line, though, is it wasn't enough to save the movie for me. Although I did watch it three times because I loved Gal Gadot's performance. She was natural. You could really believe that she loved everybody. You know what I mean? And now I feel kind of bad for snarking on that whole, you know, imagine thing she did. Was it imagine? Over yeah, yeah. The, the celebrities uh, making yeah. people feel better in the pandemic. You know, I, I kind of yeah, feel yeah. bad for snarking on it because now I think she really believed it. You know what I mean? This was from her heart. So, you know, she was amazing. But it did not save the movie. Yeah, well, well, I hope that they greenlight a third one. And, I hope so. And also the thing with this movie, too, it had the feel of the script was too much engineered by studio executive committee. And you kind of lost the sense of, like, the pure artistic vision. Like, how much of this did Patty Jenkins really want to do and how much was the studio said you have to do that and you have to do that and you have to change that and we don't like that. So. Oh, this would be funny. This would be funny if. Yeah, and, and it's like people who think they know how to make movies should, should you know, shut down and shut up and let yeah, the pros do it. exactly. Anyway, but well, maybe next time. But yeah, maybe it, it was visually. And, and Patty Jenkins is going to be doing a Star Wars movie yeah, from so what she's, I hear. Yeah, so she's moving on up. She is. Or moving away. <laughs> or yeah, or yeah, maybe she's throwing a lateral here. Uh, yep, yep. But uh, firmly in the uh, genre. But enough talk about movies and television. Yes. How about news? I don't think anything happened this week, right? Uh, well, um, <laughs> it depends on where you were and what you were doing. True. Where in the world you were. Yeah. But for, for those of us here in, in the States, the first week of January, um, quite a time, I would say. Uh, now, a little, little, little bumpy there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, we won't dwell on the causes and the ongoing implications of the deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol building last week. But we do have uh, so, some thoughts on the technology side of things because tech has been pulled into all of this drama very deeply. It seems that social media companies and web hosting platforms are uh, deciding they've had enough of hate speech and calls to violence and kinds of uh, the user chatter there, yes. And so uh, they've decided they've had enough of this, even if one of those users happens to be the president of the United States. Now, oh, yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Pinterest, and several other companies uh, have restricted the president's accounts or outright shut them down. Twitter being the most notable since that was his preferred platform. I believe they shut him down on January 8th. And this has led to calls of a First Amendment and censorship from one side, while the other side that points out that, well, these are private companies with terms of agreements, and also the First Amendment prevents governments from stifling free speech, not businesses. So, so that little uh, point of contention there. So this is all uh, unfolding, and what used to be a very big megaphone uh, now has been taken away. Uh, I was reading the list of uh, platforms that had shut things down. I'm like, really? He uses Pinterest? You know, that, that would not be my first uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't place think, to, yeah. to look. But um, but I guess the, your social media team's got to cover all the platforms. But because of the uh, deplatforming, uh, Twitter's stock price fell about 7%, I believe, on the first day of trading after the ban. It, it said, you know, itself, like it imposed this due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Twitter had a very long post on its company blog where it explained its actions. So now after Twitter permanently booted the president from its service, many followers uh, quit Twitter and jumped over to Parler, the conservative-friendly 
largely unmoderated rival platform that we've talked about occasionally on the show before. But Apple and Google uh, soon banned the Parler app from their app stores, uh, saying that Parler did not do enough to moderate violent content. So, so they took those out of the stores. That didn't really stop users who have jailbreaked or sideloaded phones to take them out of the app store. Eventually, it probably would have stopped working. But citing the hate speech and calls for government overthrow on Parler, its hosting company, Amazon Web Services, then booted the whole company off its servers just this past weekend, just basically depriving it of any sort of way to to function. So Parler has now turned around and sued Amazon for breach of contract, antitrust violations, and interfering with its business. So this is just layers upon layers of stuff happening here. And uh, even though Parler is offline at the moment, the services role in riot planning is still under scrutiny. Uh, Even uh, the days before Amazon's move, a researcher who maybe saw this coming attempted to archive every post from the fateful day of January 6th as evidence and also public record for future historians who want to know how this thing could happen because there was a lot of streaming videos and photos and posts from people who were either participating or watching or fomenting. Uh, And so this researcher has gone and pretty much scraped the site before it went away uh, to get a lot of this. And in mildly related news, an app called Parlor, spelled differently, it's known for having social chat conversations. I saw an uptick in the iOS app store, but not, not the same thing as the Parlor. So, so Parlor had a, a very... Uh, they had a good day? Yeah, they. Uh, I guess until people figured it out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but don't expect all of this to go away uh, as government officials and lawmakers continue uh, to tangle with big tech in the days to come. And I believe even our allies, Angela Merkel and Macron over in France, are are worried that big tech would have this much power to just shut things down, even though I don't think they had any lost love for the American hard right. They were concerned that that these companies did have this power to shut people up. And so they're looking at it from that angle, which makes me wonder, are we going to have some sort of national social media platform in the future, just something that is not run by a private company that, that the government, uh, you know, has its own websites. Could it conceivably have its own social media platform that, that people can subscribe to to get official news and, and information? I, I don't know where that is going, given the fact that the government servers have gotten themselves hacked mightily in, in the past month. I would worry about them trying to maintain something like that, and especially user privacy with that. But we'll see. But uh, speaking of user privacy, though, Tim Berners-Lee, the creator of the World Wide Web, has a new project to let people control their own information. Sir Tim is worried that uh, too much personal data gets siloed by the tech giants like Facebook and Google and all those guys. And he feels this has held back innovation as well as obviously privacy and that individual users do not have enough power over their own information. So his approach here is to create what he's calling personal online data stores, which if you take that abbreviation, it goes to pods. So your little privacy pods here. And these would work like an online cyber safe to store things like your browsing history, websites visited, credit card purchases, even your workout routine, Spotify playlists, all of this stuff that identifies you as you online and then put it all uh, into a secure, I guess, locker on a little bit of server space. And in Sir Tim's scenario here, if a company wanted to interact with you and get your information, They would need permission to gain access to that person's pod, typically through like a secure link for a specific task like, you know, delivering a personalized ad or say you applied for a loan and they would need to check your credentials there. 
So they would have to have, the companies would have to have very specific reason to contact you and then have to ask you up front. And so, so then uh, if, if, they, if you decide, okay, this company can have my information, then they would get a secure link to read it. They could use that information for what they needed to do, but they could not store it on their own servers, which is a, a big thing here because, uh, you know, the, the big companies like to hoard people's data. Yes, they do. Harvest and hoard. So, of course, big tech is starting to get deep looks about their data privacy practices from world governments, especially the European Union. And so Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, Microsoft, and Twitter have formed their own data transfer project, as they're calling it, committing to make personal data they hold portable. Now, uh, I don't know where this will go, and since these companies do not have a super good track record with private data, <laughs> if, if the, the governments who are concerned about this will have something to say, but... But uh, we, they think that uh, Mr. Berners-Lee's approach will get some looks of considering who he is and also because there's all this increased regulation and maybe we do need a different way after all. So maybe these pods are the way to go. So so we'll see. We shall see. Moving on now, is it a sign that your company is making enough money if it's not worth the hassle to accept product returns from dissatisfied customers? Like, oh, you know, never mind. Now, it seems like this might be the case, as the Wall Street Journal reports, for Walmart, Amazon, and a few other e-commerce retailers who are using artificial intelligence to decide whether it makes economic sense for them to process a return because you've got shipping fees and processing and restocking and all of that. And if it's a little $5 thing, is it really worth it? And then they're also factoring the fact that the delivery services like UPS and FedEx are completely overloaded because of all of the extra pandemic ordering. So the software is analyzing these situations and finding out can often be less expensive to just refund the purchase price and let the customer keep or donate the product that they had a problem with. As you may expect, though, given the natural law that some people are always going to be... Um, scamming? Uh, yeah, scamming. Cyber criminals are exploiting the situation. So I imagine those algorithms that the companies are using are continually tweaked for fraud claims and patterns and things. And One would hope. Yes, and I, I believe one of the, the indicators that someone might be trying to abuse the system is all of a sudden they have a brand new Amazon account and they've ordered something and they want to return it. So... I believe there have been talks of uh, old accounts being traded on the web because they are less prone to scrutiny. You know, in all fairness, a lot of companies, a lot of online companies have been doing something similar, especially when it's something small, you know, like a pack of batteries. No, but they, they're not going to, it's going to cost them too much money to take it back. So they have been doing this, but there seems like Amazon's planning on rolling this out on a massive scale. Yeah, and, and the last time I had to return something, which was for a USB drive that just did not work, I went to the to the to my Amazon page. I said, this didn't work. I want to return it. They said, here is your prepaid label. Printed out the label, walked to UPS, handed it to them. The UPS guy just grabbed it. I said, okay, thank you. Gave me a receipt. Boom, done. So I didn't even have to pack it myself. None of that. You just give it to the guy at the UPS store or the lady who's working there. And they handle it from there. So Amazon's clearly got a relationship with courier services for these returns. So And then we'll probably be like this for at least half a year because the vaccination program is running slightly behind. Just a touch. But moving on, uh, how about some, some brighter, happier news? Sure, I love it. It's that time of year when we get a lot of product announcements from the Consumer Electronics Show, which for this year is the first ever virtual CES. There's not all of these tons and tons of tech people and reporters flying to Vegas. They're doing it all online through... And you know what? You know what? I'm still not going <laughs> to... Still not going to go... Nope, still not going to go. Nope. Yeah, I think you don't want to sit there and watch all the videos, but... um, I don't. 
Yeah, some people will go anyway just because they want to see the the hot, new, shiny, groovy things. So some of the tidbits uh, we've seen include LG's TVs getting the cloud gaming services, uh, Google Stadia and NVIDIA's GeForce Now. They're going to have these game uh, services built right in. Those are expected in the second half of 2021. Google has promised that Stadia will come to the Google TV platform and its newest Chromecast streamer in the first half of this year. Sony's 2021 lineup of TVs uh, will run all all the Google TV as well. So I don't know if Google TV is kind of moving up on Apple TV and Netflix and Roku and and everyone else. I'm I'm guessing that's what's going on there. Would you want a TV with built-in gaming service? I would. I mean, I'm, I've dipped my toe into it. I use a service called Shadow, and I'm going to play around with uh, GeForce and Stadia very, very soon because uh, I'm going to do something on uh, on our own Pop Tech Jam podcast. Well, maybe you should call LG and tell them that you need a TV to test. Yeah, I need a TV, know. guys. Yeah, and just watch to see Mrs. How it Kaiser get really upset because the box for our last TV was gigantic, and she flipped out. Oh, dear. I flipped out because it was gigantic. Wow. She's probably not going to like this this next item uh, Uh because, as you know, uh, TVs are always big at CES, uh, which is known for its celebration of, you guessed it, big TVs. Oh, yeah. One model getting raves is Samsung's new 110-inch micro-LED model. (laughs) Now, uh, in case you were wondering, well, just what is micro-LED? J.D., what is micro-LED? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a somewhat new display (laughs) technology that uses tiny non-organic LEDs, three per pixel, and it's supposed to offer perfect contrast. Perfect contrast. Perfect contrast as you sit there and watch your giant picture window-sized TV screen. (laughs) Shack-sized. That is a shack-sized TV. Yeah. Well, wasn't the original shack-sized like 80 inches? And this one is 110 uh, with the micro-LED. plus. I don't think Mrs. Kaiser would want this one in your house either. No, 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 no. It would literally fill up an entire wall. I'm the, no exaggeration. It would take up an entire wall. It would be. It would be beautiful, though. It would be, yeah. So, so uh, in addition to the big TVs, CES is expected to showcase a lot of home-based tech, because after all, we've been spending more time at home, so lots of smart home things. One category that's coming back to laptop computers, because uh, people realize that you really need a laptop computer if you're going to be working at home. Tablets and phones can do a little bit. But if you really have to grind it out, you need a laptop. Oh, wait. In so, all fairness, come on. In all fairness, I do audio and video work, and a laptop just won't work for me. You need a desktop. I need power. I need mm-hmm. big, honking power. I need big steel. Big steel is what I need. All right. So so for our AV engineers, desktops yes. for you, but the desktops, laptops for, for hoi polloi who just need to go exactly. to school and, and work from home. You know, exactly. And check yes. their email. Yes. <laughs> you know. I scoff. Well, yes. <laughs> but uh, I just realized we're heading into the, the second year of the pandemic, if you count when it first started to pop up worldwide. So That was the biggest gut punch right there. I think that was the hardest gut punch you, you've given me in a while. Oh, sorry, man. Reminding what? me it's the second year. Of this entire long day. Well, in case you had lost your time moorings, I just wanted to, to make sure you <laughs> I knew lost, where you were. I lost that so long ago. It's not even funny. All right. Well, well, well let's wind up the news here. I have another uh, Samsung announcement. You probably won't like this one as much, although oh, it boy. could, it could, you know, bring some Jetsons dreams to your to your mind. And finally, also and finally. from Samsung CES announcements, new robots. Uh, Now, one model, the JetBot 90 AI Plus, does double duty as both a vacuum cleaner and a security camera. So I guess it vacuums your (laughs) podcast. You get back here. Get back here. I haven't got to the good part yet. 
so that's one of the new robots. Uh, I guess it vacuums and then it stops and, and then it's got a video camera. So it, oh, if you need geez. to check in, maybe make sure it either clean the floor or make sure no one's breaking in. Then you get the security camera feature. It doesn't fly around like the Amazon drone, though. Oh, my God. That doesn't help, J.D. That doesn't help. Uh, other models uh, include the Bot Handy robot that can clean up messes and straighten up a house. And then they've updated the Bot Care Personal Assistant robot that uses AI to recognize and respond to your behavior. I think we talked about Bot Care a couple of years ago we did. when the first version indeed. came out. Yep. Well, it's gotten a little bit of an upgrade. So the new Bot Care, which uh, I saw the video of it, it's got a passing resemblance to the eponymous character in Pixar's Wally film. Not not quite as Tonka truck looking, uh, very smooth and sleek. But it can learn your schedule and habits and send you reminders. And it's got this display screen that pops out of its head if you want to have a video chat with your friends and family or you've got a Zoom call coming on. Little robot rolls over, pops open its head flap, and there's your video screen. So you don't even have to get out of your chair, and then it will roll around. And if you haven't moved in a while, it nags you to move. So it's it's your personal care robot. Um, now, the Bot Handy one, which is the one that sort of caught my ears, it's a bigger robot. And it's got a hinged arm and a sort of gripper claw hand that uses AI to recognize and pick up objects of different sizes, shapes, and weights. And its AI can sort of figure out how hard to squeeze to lift something up. Yeah. Now, it's shown yeah. in a Oof. Samsung demonstration video. The Bot Handy can even roll over and pour a glass of wine for you. Yeah, see, it, that one is going to kill me in my sleep. Yeah, well, That's it's going to get one. you drunk first. But. That's the one. It'll get me drunk. I'll pass out. It'll kill me in my sleep. Well, I think the machines, you know, they're beginning to rise up. Like, first we clean their houses, we pour them some wine, we make sure they're feeling good, and then we strike. So, so, and but they had a video of the the robot rolling over and, and gently pouring a glass of red wine on the table. So Rosie could, would not kill me. Rosie yeah, no, would not kill and me. And Rosie would bring you a beer. Rosie would not she deal would. with she wine. She would bring she me would. a beer. Yeah, so, uh, so not no prices or release dates have been announced for this new Samsung bot line. But I think the wine bot would probably get a lot of use these days, you know, all things considered. Yeah, the one, the what was it? The one that you said that will try to get me to move? That one's going to have its Yeah, though, that's its the work, bot care. Yeah, that's going to have its work cut out for me. Hey, move your fat butt. What you <laughs> yes. get and you really call it the Nagbot. Yes, the, the Nagbot 2000. Yes. Yeah. Well, they should program it. We forget like the ethereal space lady voice. <laughs> Just get like a real New York accent. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, move. Hey. Hey, doofus, get up. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think what you I can want. make these robots That's much the more fun. I want to do the voices for these robots. Well, I they think select. If- I can do a nice Midwestern, calm, Southern thing, but mm-hmm. I can also do a New Yorker. Yeah. And you, you can and code that- switch back to your original yes. programming and yes. just go full Bronx on it. Hey, fathead, get up. <laughs> I think that I think that would be a big seller. So anyway, that, that's right. been now a, I kind of want the robot. <laughs> yeah, now, now you want one. I, told you. I want one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that has been a quick look at a very uh, roller coaster week of news here. Oh, yes. um, up next, we're going to calm things down and, and talk about headphones. Headphones. JD. Pedro. You want to talk about headphones? Yeah, because we're all using more headphones because we're all at home with our loved ones who don't want to hear our music. And I don't know why they don't like banjo music, but I digress. (laughs) You digress. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to talk about two headphones. First, well, actually one set of headphones, and I'm going to compare it to my reference set, which I love, absolutely love. We're going to talk about the AirPod Maxes, the brand new 
over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones from Apple. Oh, so they finally leveraged that Beats technology and melded it with their AirPod. They have indeed, but let me tell you something right off the bat. I'm not going to joke around. These things are the most luxurious feeling headphones I have ever held. And I have some really schnazzy headphones. These are the most well-crafted pair of headphones that I've ever seen. I'm going to just get like a scalp massage when you put them on or no, it's just, you know, like the, the headband, they're beefy. They're very heavy. They feel substantial. You know, you buy a a pair of over the ear headphones nowadays and it's like, you know, feather light. They're not heavy enough where they feel uncomfortable on your head. The clamp is, is kind of tight. I'm assuming that'll loosen up, but then again, I have a huge noggin, so that might just be me. It's aluminum, brushed aluminum. I got the charcoal or the slate gray, whatever they call them. They have them in different colors too. It's all aluminum and metal. The ear pads are magnetic, so you can take them off, and obviously they're replaceable. They are just really incredibly well-manufactured headphones. The ear cup themselves fit over your ear, unlike my Sony WH-1000XM3s. Try saying that three times fast. Oh, that's like a New York license plate. So this is fully over the ear and not just sort of pressing fully on the outside of your ears. over the ear, which again, the secret to noise-canceling headphones is really the seal you get, folks. It's not whatever electronics are going on in the background. It's about the seal you get. I would venture to guess 75% of noise cancellation is about the seal, either in your ear or around your ear. That is going to provide the most noise canceling part of the equation. So this fits comfortably over ear, completely over your ear, unlike some of the Bose headphones and unlike, to be be perfectly blunt, my Sony headphones. Those, noise cancellation, but they're designed sort of like the boy, the Bose Q, I think they're the QC, whatever they are, the quiet comforts, that they're kind of like thin and they just fit over my ears. So I have to fiddle around with them sometimes to get a good seal just to make sure that the noise canceling stuff is as accurate as possible. Because as you know, I think you and I share this thing when there's when we flip on anything that's noise canceling, we kind of get a little seasick. Yeah, the whole inner ear messing with thereof. So if I don't wobbly. exactly, so if I don't have the right seal and I don't have to put the volume on too loud, it mitigates that a little bit. And I have yet to have that issue with the AirPod Maxes. Granted. I'm not listening to a lot of music and the volume level is kind of low. And like a lot of Apple products, they don't let you crank up the, the volume too high. Mother Apple doesn't want you to hurt your hearing. It doesn't want you to hurt your hearing. Absolutely. Fair enough. But now the nitty gritty. First and foremost, price. $549. Ooh, for, Apple prices. Yeah, Apple prices for the AirPod Max compared to, now I have the XM3 version of the Sony headphones. They have a new version to compete with the AirPod Maxes called the XM4. So it's a WH-1000 XM4, which I have not played around with. But from my research, what I'm hearing is, (laughs) get it, unintended pun there, but what I'm hearing is that the XM4s, their noise canceling is similar. You know, they made some tweaks, but 
The noise canceling is kind of similar. And I find the noise canceling system on the Sony WH-1000XM3s to be really excellent. The noise canceling on the AirPod Maxes are even beyond that. It is the best noise canceling I have ever experienced. Like I said, I don't feel that queasiness when I'm using it. The seal around my ears is so good. Or like the in-ear AirPods, they will, as soon as you plug them in, or as soon as you take them out of the case, they will pair. They do that even on devices that are not Apple devices, which is a nice plus. So if I, you know, if I have my my stereo receiver on Bluetooth mode and I want to listen on my AirPod Maxes, they will connect right away. That is not a feature that's available on the XM3s. It is a feature that's available on the Sony XM4s. Now, the XM3s retail for about $200, anywhere from $200 to $250. Now, the XM4s, Sony XM4s, so WH-1000 XM4s, retail for about $370 in that range. Okay, so less than the Apples. Less, but still kind of pricey for a pair of headphones, especially when you can't really demo them. You can't really test drive them. That's a real investment. And then again, that gets back to the whole return policy of a lot of companies. I sincerely doubt if I return a set of Sony headphones that cost 350 bucks, that they're going to just let me keep them and say, hey, you know, whatever, we'll just give you your money back. Yeah, yeah. And Apple certainly won't. Yeah. Apple certainly won't. Now, again, my disclaimer that I say on anything that has to do with audio, audio is subjective. The cheapest pair of headphones you own could sound the best for the way you like to ingest your music or absorb your music. So now, sound quality-wise, the AirPods are okay. Yeah, because I, I, I was curious when you said that you'd bought a you you'd intentionally bought a pair of Apple headphones because you never really liked the bass on their, no, their in-ear no, products, no, right? Absolutely not, and the fit as well. I, I will admit this; these were a gift. And I really appreciate that gift for the person who gave it to me or the persons who gave it to me. I enjoy them. I use them. The bottom line is for a sound quality, I'm not going to go to these as my default. Absolutely not. I would go to a wired set of headphones before I go to these. That said, they sound okay. But the noise cancellation is phenomenal. The feel, the actual feel of it is substantial. It is a well-crafted piece of audio equipment, even down to the buttons. The thing I don't like about a lot of noise-canceling headphones now is that everything is with buttons that are on the bottom of one of the ear cups. Apple does something different. They put a button and a knob on the top of one of the ear cups on the top right which sounds okay what's the difference bottom top but think about this when you're going to to your ear your first instinct is to use the tip of your fingers from an ergonomic perspective from a ease of use perspective that difference is amazing because your first instinct is to touch the top of the ear cup not the bottom so from a design perspective it's great it has one button to activate the noise canceling feature or put it in microphone mode, which will let you hear stuff from the outside, which is very handy. The knob also does two purposes. You can press the knob to either move a file forward or backwards, and it's actually got a volume knob 
on it. So again, from a design perspective, way better than the Sony option that I'm using now. And from what I understand, the new Sony is also with the buttons on the bottom of the cup. They kept the same design. So they wouldn't be my first choice to listen to music, but they would certainly be my first choice to watch TV. They would be my first choice just to, you know, sit around the house and maybe just have the noise canceling going on if it's too noisy in the house. I would absolutely do that. All right. So you're not going to use them for your 24-track, multi-layered no, sound I wouldn't use collage. Them for work. Absolutely wouldn't use them for work. No, no question about it. But I would use them for television. And since I've been watching way more television than over the last year, I would probably be getting a lot of use out of them. Well, if they're comfortable, too. If you're they are have comfortable. If you're going to have these for four or five hours, they are comfortable. Away. For me, I mean, again, most people will not have the problem that I have that, you know, uh, the clamp is a little tight because most people don't have the big noggin that I do, but they are comfortable and well-designed. They feel like a luxury product, which is exactly what Apple wants you to believe. Some people might listen to these and think they are the best sounding pair of headphones they've ever owned. And not just to justify the fact that they spent $550 on them. Wow. That's, that, that's as much as an iPad. It is. It is as much as an and not iPad. not even the cheapest iPad. Nope. So, Five hundred and fifty bucks for the AirPod Max, anywhere from two seventeen to two eighty for the Sony XM3s, the WH one thousand XM3s, and about three hundred and seventy dollars for the WH one thousand XM4s, which I did not test, but they're the next level up from the Sony flagship noise canceling headphones. You've had plenty of, of time to research these too, uh, <laughs> with have. all of the things to watch and things. And to I think to I am going to actually and... probably buy the the Sony XM <laughs> headphones. Yes, because I really do like the now the Sony headphones. I use to listen to music. I will. They are very musical headphones. I like the fact that the Sony headphones have an app that lets me contour the audio. I don't necessarily have that option with the iPhone, but you know what? It sounds good to me. And when it, with headphones, that is the bottom line. I'm, I'm picturing your studio here instead of like how people would have animal heads on the wall, just a wall of headphones yeah. all mounted on little plaques so that you grab the one you want. Yeah. I mean, I once we moved, I had to take that down. But essentially in my old space, that's exactly what it was. It was <laughs> just a wall of headphones. It looked like it looked like Sam Goody's testing uh, area for headphones back in the day. That's for that's a New York reference for people. Yes. There. Sam Goody, you know, oh, man. if you're in the know. I didn't say J and R Music World. I could have said J and R mm-hmm. Music World. And he didn't say and the Wiz either. Nobody beats the Wiz. I did not whiz. say the Wiz because you know people beat the Wiz. People were able to beat the Wiz. <laughs> yes, the Wiz was not all that. And don't get me started on Crazy Eddie. All right. Well, well, for people who are uh, shopping for headphones and who also wonder, because this was Apple's first over-the-ear product, right? They've only Correct, done yep. in-ear up until now, except yes. for the Beats line, which was an acquisition. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I was curious about those too. But yeah, I'm, I'm, 550 bucks is it's a lot of money. That's an investment. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of your $20 job from Record Mart. Yeah. yeah it works. All right. Well, well, thank you for enlightening us. Uh, sure enough. With, with your uh, – they do sound comfortable. They are. Next time I see you in person, I will bring them. Yes. Which will be what, 2022? Uh, yeah, it depends on the vaccine schedule. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, one of these days we will see each other not on a screen. There um, you go. But I guess we should probably wind down here because, uh, you know, we got to thank the bros. Yes, thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will still build it for you. Here we are here in 2021 and the bros are, are building away. And, and thank you to the listeners who uh, have made it into yet another year with us. Uh, we've been doing this show for quite some time now, oh, uh, but yeah. it's always uh, exciting to, to flip the page on the calendar and go to a new year. And here we are still yapping. Yes, indeed. So until next time, when we're back with more and maybe the world will be a slightly calmer place, although I'm not really holding my breath, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado.